Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Uh, just like the offense and defensive lines this offseason, I have been beefing up and am ready to go for fall camp. All right, good to know, Honk. And I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? I know you can't see me right now, but if you could, you would marvel at my Oregon-issued Michael Jordans. <laughs> They're pretty sweet, folks. <laughs> For the cost of no dollars. Blasphemy. I know a guy. <laughs> We're going to put Brett McMurphy on you, man. Yeah, definitely. Watch out. When Brett McMurphy comes by, you better be looking out. Uh, I'm also with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to say today was the uh, first uh, big failure I've seen in the Frost era. The, just the simple fact that not a single one of our uh, quarterback candidates apparently opted to be the top hat token. I mean, what's with the race horror, you know, the race car, the horse, the iron, and the battleship? I mean, what's with that, Frost? I mean, come on. <laughs> All right, Boomer, always looking for the odd angle. I hear you. All right, guys, well, are you ready for this? We are in Season 3, and the Frost effect is uh, ready to take over Husker Nation, and uh, I'm excited, guys. Uh, how about you, I, Honk? I, I'm giddy. Can I say that? Okay, I'm giddy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mac, I mean, can you just, like, you feel it in the air? It, it's electric. I'm not going to lie. I I talk about it every day. I talk about it every day. I, I Everything that's good in the world, I'm like, Scott Frost. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Frost is here. If, if milk is on for $1.99 at Hy-Vee, Scott Frost. Scott Frost. Yeah, I, I hear you, man. I, I had one of my Husker friends here in Denver. I saw him in the office today, and, I mean, he was just talking about Mo Washington right off the bat. I mean, it's like first thing out of his, his mouth. I mean, everybody's excited. Boomer, are you, are you feeling the vibe? Uh, well, I'm trying to take the frost approach and just keep expectations, you know, as low as I can and not get too worked up here. But it's time to get this thing started and see what the staff can actually do. Absolutely. Well, I'm, Absolutely. I'm I'm taking the Tanner Farmer approach, and we're winning the national title. That's that's my <laughs> feeling on it right now. I know. I'd like Tanner to hear the loss total for the season. <laughs> what do you mean Eight? loss? Yeah. <laughs> JK. Frost effect. <laughs> the boys are confident uh, on the team right now, which is also a, a pleasant, uh, you know, vibe going on. So that's it's awesome to hear their confidence, which even makes the fans even more excited. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure we're going to have some disappointments at some point, maybe in this year. But right now, uh, I'm not even wanting to think about that. So, you know, Honk, though, uh, you know, as this is our first show of the season, um, as a lot has happened in July, it was a really busy month of July for the Huskers. Could you maybe just run down uh, some of the the biggest moments in the last uh, month since our our end of uh, season two show and get everybody up to speed? Yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Last summer was our first summer doing this, and we took two months off. It's like, you know, who cares? It, it's summertime. This year, I mean, we were going to kind of do something similar. It's like you couldn't do it. 
a couple of weeks went by and there was a ton of activity. This is amazing what Frost and, and company have done. We ended the last show. It was right after Inglehop and Snyder left the team. So that took us from, we were at 85. Okay. We went down to 83. A couple of days later, Canty, uh, the offensive lineman from yep. Florida, he doesn't make it. He's now getting uh, put into Garden City Community College where we have all kinds of connections. So I don't be fooled by that placement. I think that's a good reason why he was put down there um, is that there's still going to be a connection, I think, with Nebraska and him. But that got us down to 82. And then we got the last, the late uh, transfer that we kind of talked about with yep. Mike Hughes at U- UCF last year. This year it's Trey Neal. I did call that. Yeah. That's <laughs> Trey true. Neal, who was a 13-game starter for UCF last year, caught the interception at the end of the Memphis-UCF game that won the uh, conference title for, for uh, the Knights. Um, he is now going to be a Husker for one year, and that moved us back up to 83. That's where we start tomorrow. Uh, it's Thursday night as we're recording this, so it starts tomorrow. We're going to be at 83 scholarships. Uh, it, the NCAA has changed the, the – uh, amount of people you can have in yep. from 105 to 110 and so we'll start tomorrow with 83 scholarships out of 85 and kind of kind of go from there I, I could still see some attrition of some players as we get into camp and obviously we want to have a few spots for some walk-ons can you run down uh the uh some of the recruits uh in, that we also got during july hunk i know there's a oh yeah absolutely so these players they have obviously don't count versus what's going on tomorrow who's reporting, but future recruits. Uh, we were able to get Tony Fair, big 6'3", 330-pound nose tackle, uh, and that's a Juco transfer with two years to play, so he'll be here in January. Uh, Messiah Newsom and Nick Heinrich. And I know this isn't new news for people listening, but it's important news. These are the local kids that we're, we're talking about. These are the 500-mile radius kids. Messiah Newsom is out of uh, – or Messiah Newsom is out of Waverly, Iowa. Of course, Heinrich is out of Omaha Burke. If we get Hickman out of out of Omaha Burke, if we do, we basically would get the top five players out of the state of Nebraska this year. And I think that is such a, a key statement there. And it's also a statement where we, we talked a little bit on the last show about recruiting classes and all that. People need to understand that it, the better you recruit here locally, which is, is absolutely crucial, but the better that we recruit here locally, the inverse effect happens on our recruiting classes. You're not going to have high recruiting classes recruiting well in Nebraska, but it's so important. And when you get these Nebraska kids, when you get the Iowa kids, when you get the South Dakota kids, they're going to be three stars. They're not going to make you a top 15 class, but we can't beat the Iowas and Wisconsins without those kids. Yeah, and other teams have come and proven that those guys can play at a high level for them too. So they're super important recruits. And as big of a deal as Hendrick was, and he is, and and there's no doubt that he wouldn't be here without this staff. Uh, Messiah Newsom, it has been a long time since we've gone into Iowa and taken a target from Iowa that mm-hmm. they actually wanted. I mean, I was listening to it the other day, and I couldn't tell you the exact stat, but it's been several, several years since we've done it. I think Marquis Simmons might have been the last time we took a – took an Iowa recruit that they were actually hard after to get. So it doesn't sound like a big deal to get a guy from Iowa, but when you look at it, if, if, if we start building that 500-mile radius, and that actually does include Iowa, not only does it help us, it hurts Iowa, which I love. Hurt them. Hurt them all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think outside of a couple of Husker legacies, uh, mm-hmm. Cotton and, and That Jordan, was the thing. Yeah, exactly, Dave. If they it, weren't it legacy had, players. It had been Marquis Simmons, who ultimately transferred back to Iowa uh, so it's been a very long time, and, and, and Newsom's out of eastern Iowa. And so I think that's an indicator of Eric Chenander's ability to recruit his uh, home state there. That's a game-changer for us in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm just looking at some, some other notes here. We, another guy that we got, uh, we've had, but he's actually now qualified, is Maurice Washington. Um, how big of a, a gain is that, guys? How, how big of news is that? Absolutely. So this gets back into now the guys that are affecting the scholarship count starting tomorrow, and, and Maurice Washington, Dominic Watt, um, both of them. It, it sounds like with Watt, he's going to be academically eligible as well. I mean, they, they – didn't quite make the official statement the way with Washington, but it sounds like he's going to be here. Point is, it's it's huge. And on Twitter, we've talked a little bit about Maurice Washington. We've been posting our preliminary depth charts on each of the positions. And on running back, we don't have Washington on the top five. And it's not because we don't think he's a top five player or anything. It's when an incoming freshman's coming in, I think it's huge that he's, that he's here. I think he can be an outstanding player for us. And yet, I also respect the work that Duvall and the rest of this team has done over the course of an offseason and I don't think I don't think it's just going to be as easy for guys to come in on day one now no matter how talented you are or how many stars you have and just on day one hey I'm just going to I'm just all the work you've been doing the last eight nine months you know I can just come in and right away do it I I I think he there's going to be an adjustment period for him but I'm so glad to see Maurice here on day one he'll and by the end of this year he could definitely be in that top three he could definitely you know he has the talent to do it but he's going to have to make that adjustment physically, mentally, and everything that, that comes with that as a freshman. Well, yeah, the, the thing about him coming in now is he's obviously been focusing a lot on his academics, and I applaud the kid for getting that done. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, he's had so many obstacles this last year just to get here, and he's here now, and it, within the fold, I mean, we were all told the best-case scenario was a possible academic redshirt, so to be honest with you, I was not counting him as any part of the running back room this year. But him coming in now, especially with Trey Bryant's status being a little up in the air, just in terms of health, mm-hmm. um, oh, my gosh. He adds a huge plug. And with the new redshirt rule, you can do all <laughs> kinds of things with this guy. You know, yep, you can dip point, him in man. a little bit early and see where he's at. I don't – I think I heard that he's around 170 pounds, which seems a little light. But, you know, I went back and I started watching this film today. His dead leg move is slick. And even though he's light, he's hard to bring down. Great balance, fantastic hands. Um, he, he's the kind of guy that we needed to have academic issues to really get a, a jump on recruiting wise. You know, these, these are not the kind of guys that just, if the only reason he was available is because nobody thought he was going to qualify, you know, nobody thought he was going to be able to get it in and credit the staff again, you know, wisdom beyond their years as, as a staff. They, they know how to get these guys in and the compliance people at UNL know how to. I'm not saying they did anything shady, but, man, they put together a plan for this kid to go work yeah. it out. And he, and to his credit, he did it. And now he's here. He's ready to go right before camp. I mean, Scofro. Milk's $1. fifty <laughs> right now, guys. <laughs> Scott Frost. Uh, I mean, it, and I think it's a really good point in the sense that um, they not only they were able to get him uh, qualified, did all that work, and had the inside angle because they gave him the attention, even though other programs may not thought he was worth the risk. Uh, but because of his like transferring back and forth between California and Texas and not playing a year and all these different things, uh, he, he probably actually didn't have as, as high of a recruiting grade as, as maybe he actually deserved. Uh, you, you know, it might be a five-star running back there that we just you know now have that uh, never actually got that, those numbers in the services. So, mm-hmm. so it's a pretty awesome addition. Um, you know, a couple more things before we, I really want to turn the, the show towards the, the uh, preseason camp, but a couple other big things um, on the news and notes is uh, Dave Ellis, uh, 
uh, what type of an addition is that? We're obviously going to pay that guy a pretty penny, but he's been making uh, tons of bucks on the consultant side as a nutritionist to, uh, you know, rock stars and NFL players, et cetera. And now he's going to be doing that back for Nebraska again for the first time in two decades. Uh, it's nice because part of it is he was a consultant for us over the course of the offseason, so he has been involved, which is nice to begin with. He's not just cold coming in here. But he's here because of Frost and because he trusts and believes in what's going on. He he is here because of Duvall and the understanding that the strength and conditioning and the nutrition piece work hand in hand. And if this doesn't sound like something new to Husker fans, it, it shouldn't be. It was the way it was 20 years ago. And what's so nice right now about being a Husker fan is you can talk about things from the 90s and now you don't get called that 90s guy anymore because we're literally trying <laughs> to do a lot of – a lot of the right things that we did in the 90s, we're trying to get back to with a modern flair. With a, you know, we may not be in the I formation or we may be, you know, not running, you know, triple options with a fullback, but we're going to be doing a lot of things that look familiar off the field. We're going to be a physical team. We're going to be all those things. And it starts with the nutrition. And welcome back, Dave Ellis. I, I was a midget football coach for uh, 20 years and and athletic director for one of them or for a couple of those years and we had him come and speak ellis came and speak at one of our um end of the year banquets and i got to sit at the table and talk with him and it's just smart guy just hey you know i mean guys need to have everything's fuel it's not food we need the right things being put into the bodies and then if you're going to spend all this time working out and 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 putting all the effort and sweating you know you should be putting the right things in your body to replace it and get the maximum amount out of that effort you're already putting out there. That's where he works hand-in-hand with a guy like Duvall. Great hire. You know, it reminds me, Dave, when we talked about how do we overcome, you know, our our recruiting class rankings because we outside of – in the modern era, anyone outside of that top 10 category, how how are they going to contend for a national championship? Well, this is how we do it, you know, because – we are always going to be ge- geographically challenged in terms of recruiting class rankings. Our guys just aren't going to be recruited that or ranked that high. So you, what you do then is you develop the living love out of them. You know what I mean? You bring in the best strength and conditioning coach you can find, and then you pair him with the with without question one of the best nutritionists out there. I mean, this guy's worked with LeBron James. He's worked with I mean, and any Aaron Rodgers, you know, like high-level athletes paying him a premium dollar and this guy is now coaching or is leading these young men at Nebraska, which is a recruiting right. chip by the way for some of these guys. You know, like no, so absolutely. so the development is going to be just like in the 90s is going to be how we separate ourselves. So what's the, what's the magic pill? What's the magic formula? That's how we're going to have to do it. You get the long-ling athletes, and you let Zach Duvall and Phil Ellis do their work. And any confidence that we have as a player, as a team, going into fall camp is completely based out of what the gains have been in the weight room this, this summer. You know, these guys are feeling good about their bodies, feeling good about how they look. You look good, play good. You know what I'm saying? That's that's going to be a big, big factor. And I appreciate, Mac, only as a guy from the 90s can that uh, you called him Phil Ellis instead of Dave Ellis. I appreciate that. Oh, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> and I think Phil would appreciate that. And, and Uncle Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, I want to get back to the um, – I want to get back to the, the weight gains here in a little bit, but maybe I want to bring Boomer in just uh, on this theme of, of Dave Ellis. It, it, when, a, when that hire came through, it just kind of made me made me think about some of the conversations we've had about 
the the commitment to winning, like the program, and all the way down from Hank Bounds to uh, Bill Moose now, and and having the right coach, and then the support staff, and actually using the resources that Nebraska has uh, to its full extent. And uh, I I follow Nebraska football as close as just about anybody, Um, but you know to, to start to see how maybe how little we are actually committed to winning at times under previous regimes uh, at from an administrative level is, is pretty interesting. And now thinking about what probably, you know, what it took when Alabama, you know, fired, um, was it Mike Shula? And then, and, you know, you know, actually got Nick Saban and, and other uh, blue, blood, blue blood blood programs that have had to kind of reinvent themselves, how much it takes to turn that ship around and have everybody go in the same direction. Um, it's a pretty extraordinary effort, you know? I mean, Boomer, how do you feel about, like, just, like, the, the, the whole program being committed to winning again, it feels like? No, you, you hit it right on the head there, Dave. Uh, what this this is just it has to be a total culture shift from what we had. We've heard quite a bit about the previous regimes. I don't, you know, I don't think we need to, you know, harp on them too much. We all know the results they achieved. And just from what we heard... <laughs> uh, it doesn't sound like there was just a whole lot of focus or maybe – you'd hate to call it micromanagement because I don't think that's what Frost is doing, but just a recognition of, you know, the age level that these players are and the fact they probably do need a lot more assistance and a lot more guidance than, than some of their prior coaching staffs were providing them. You yeah. know, that, I think that would be a knock on Riley is that, you know, we've heard it uh, when it came to weightlifting that um, they'd commented that if they felt they were lifting too much weight, they could complain about it and they wouldn't have to do it. Well, you know, that's great, but, you know, I don't like lifting weights now, let alone when I was in college or anything like that. I'd, I'd always try to get out of that sort of stuff. And if you're going to let them get away with that, you know, some people are going to take advantage of it, and I think some of them did. And and like you said, now you've got uh, – if we pride ourselves on being a university with a lot of resources, we have it. And if we're not making use of them, that just speaks poorly to you as an institution and what your priorities are when it comes to the athletic department. You're there to win and produce the best team you can. Let's take advantage of that. That's what we have to offer, and that's what we can do. Yeah. Why play the game if you're not in it to win? Uh, Honky, I mean, you can jump on this and just talk about the weight gains and everything like that, but maybe if you just want to add to the overall uh, commitment to, to winning. Yeah, you know, this actually goes back to anyone that you know, wants to go back and listen to our show when the day that uh, – Icorse was fired. We did a rapid reaction show, and we talked about it at that moment, how impressed we were, even though as dark at times as that was, how impressed we were with Hank Bounds and Chancellor Green, and we needed that leadership. That's what we needed at top. It, it all had to start from there. And what we have right now, from Bounds to Green to Moose and now to Frost, we have the leadership in place where there's none of this extra garbage going on. Um, in the professional world, I, I had a job once when I was a product manager and I was working with a development team. And my entire job was to do nothing but take impediments away from the developers. Just let them do their job. That was my whole role. And when I look at Moose right now and I look at the, the support staff that we have, it's all about taking away, like Boomer said, the weightlifting things that we had, those issues in the past. That stuff's gone. The, uh, the JUCOs, you can't go and recruit them. That stuff's gone. Hey, Frost wants to you know have morning practices. Yeah, that might be tough to set up but we're going to get it set up. The leadership is in place to take those impediments away, the things that, that the self-made issues that, that have hurt us in the past are gone, and now it's just coach, just lift, just recruit, just run. And I think we're going to see some pretty 
quick turnarounds because of that. Awesome. Yeah, Mac, you want to add anything to this? Uh, maybe do. Uh, maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about those those weight gains and some of those dramatic uh, body transformations that we've seen. Oh my gosh, they've been absolutely ridiculous. I think there was like an eight hundred. Was it eight hundred pounds? Of, of lean body mass gained over this uh, the summer program, which is obscene, you know, and I've, I've talked about this at length, how disgusted I am by those numbers and that I feel like we shouldn't be able to even do that if we had been doing it right along the way, but it is what it is. Still good to see. And it shows you that there is a fair amount of buy-in to these players, you know. I, I don't, I'm not one to go ahead and put a bunch of expectations or out there for the team, but I'm also not going to temper any expectations either. When people try to project what we are if they're looking at last year's team it's a mistake we're not the same team those numbers alone show that so i mean the kids have bought into that i'm so i'm so excited to see how this translates into fall camp so so if i'm understanding those anonymous coaches coaches in uh in athlons that you know said we're going to be lousy on the on the offense and defensive line because of what we were last year you're saying that that guy whoever that coach is that anonymous big 10 coach out there he may not know what what's happened here over the course of the last nine months i'm saying that's wishful thinking anymore the, the, the well, days of a us lot of big developing. 10 coaches don't know uh, anything so i understand what you're or saying or report it yeah <laughs> oh. whoops uh, well, wow <laughs> they urban meyer knows <laughs> wow. uh, well we show. might Sorry. let that one slide for a while but um all right, guys. Anything else uh, looking back uh, uh, right now before we turn the turn the corner? Laser focused forward. Let's move on. Scarlet colored glasses. All right, fellas. Let's do some scarlet colored glasses here on the Go Big Redcast, and uh, let's open it up with um, uh, recent history. I guess just last week was Big Ten Media Days. Scott Frost was actually the first coach on the podium, and uh, dare I say he won the day. Uh, I think uh, had universal praise from the uh, media. National media was was there, and and uh, a lot of great stuff written. Uh, Frost definitely had a, a, a good day there, and Nebraska was well represented. Um, let, let's start with Mac, actually. Mac, what, what was your uh, kind of takes from from Frost's uh, work there um, in Chicago? My first impression of what he did there was. Not uncommon. It was just his supreme confidence. You know, the borderline, he's, he's never arrogant. The way he, I suppose he could be taken that way. The way he comes off to me when he talks about, because he is so quick to bust toss the very last coaching staff and administration here. Yeah. And, and so few people could really get away with that without looking petty. But the way he presents it is almost like I'm a former player and I'm just irritated with what I have to fix here. I should have never had to fix this. This stuff should have been in place. This is Nebraska. It's ridiculous. But, you know, when he was asked, you know, about the walk-on program and what they're going to be doing differently, he's like, well, we're going to be getting walk-ons, you know, or like, <laughs> you know, the lifting program. You know, they haven't really lifted in the last, you know, three years. He's like, when you say they haven't really, like, they don't lift like I want them to lift or, you know, or just the comment about, you know, we'll see how this year goes, but you better get to us quick because we're going to get better really fast, you know. And when he says that, there's no smile. There's no wink and a nod. There's next question. You're like, this is this is how he feels. And you can, like, if that's the impression he gives all those reporters, all that media there, and they all walked away with that. They all walked away talking about how 
bought in they are. Think about the impact he has on his players on a day-to-day. That's how he walks oh, yeah. around every day in that, in that weight room and on that campus. You know, that's the vibe he puts out. And I guarantee that's the vibe that the coaches put out as well. So it was more yeah, than Boomer. I hoped for. Yeah, Boomer. Uh, I mean, that's, I think, a really interesting – what I got out of it was, like, this guy hasn't even coached a game at Nebraska yet, and the media is just, like, completely convinced. Like, 12 months ago, people were like, Nebraska's done. They're never going to be back. Forget about it. It's impossible. And, like, all those guys are now like, you know, I think Frost is going to do this. I mean, I mean, isn't it amazing that the switch – I mean, it's just nuts to me. Yeah, it definitely shows what a – what a confident and apparently capable head coach can do. I mean, just for the just for the attitude and mentality. Of we haven't program. had one in a while. <laughs> no, uh, it's been a couple of couple of terms I think since we've had a head coach who I think looked like he knew what he was doing. You know, up there and, and Scott definitely comes across that way. He looks confident. He looks he's polished enough to you know be able to handle questions well. He he says what's on his mind. He's not always super you know, diplomatic about it, but they're effective and they're exactly what they, well, that they should be. And I think that's yeah. just so refreshing that, you know, from what we get. And then especially from what, like the prior, you know, darling of big 10 media days, Harbaugh, what you get from him, you know, is apparently <laughs> don't eat chicken is the best I can tell, which I, I'm not the Chick-fil-A advertise the big 10 network. There could be some problems with that. I don't know, but it's a nervous, yeah, just bird. such a different contrast of it. Yeah. De- very right. nervous. Bird, I mean, so. I, I yeah. think, you know, frost sincerity in his belief that he can get the job done comes across and the media has completely flipped their script. Uh, Honky, what do you want to say? Yeah, I guess I, I think he really, he has this plan in place and we talked about in the last show about recruiting and, and with recruiting, you know, it's to me, it's not about being a top 10 or top 15 recruiting class. If you want to win national titles, you have to have an elite coach. That's, that's more important because there's a lot of top, 15 recruiting classes out there that aren't winning titles. There's only three, well, I'm sorry, four active coaches right now that have, and it could be three depending on what happens with Urban Meyer. Point is, <laughs> that's that's the difference. He's a type of coach that can make that, make that difference. He talked about last week at Big Ten Media Days, he talked about how unique Nebraska is in the recruiting area, that we don't have a big population. We don't have all these, these recruits around here. And yet there's only a select number of schools that have gone on to great things from those areas. He mentioned Colorado, mentioned Wisconsin, mentioned Oregon. And I think both of you guys could, you know, uh, Boomer and Dave, you might, based off of our previous recruiting, you know, uh, discussion, you could fight back on that and say, well, Wisconsin and Oregon haven't, haven't won a, a national title. And I'd say you're right. absolutely right. I mean, now it's, it's even more select to be Nebraska or Colorado, and I'm basing a lot off of one title for Colorado. But the point is there's not – there's not a lot of championships that are won by, by schools in those areas without the population and the recruiting. Nebraska's one of them, and we have this formula. Mm-hmm. And that formula we haven't been doing for 15 years. He's going to bring that back. He's going to do it with all the modern flair. But that's what his belief is. And I've had a number of people ask me, they go, what happens if this doesn't work with Frost? You know, you know fast forward five, six, seven years, and this doesn't work with Frost. My answer to all of them, and I always have an answer for everything, my answer is, I don't know. I have no answer. If Frost doesn't work here, everything I've I've moaned and complained about over the last 15 years to you guys, long before we ever did a podcast. It's true. He has complained for 15 years. Everything I've complained about, (laughs) about not recruiting local kids or about, you know, West Coast offenses and all that stuff. Calabrasca. You hated Calabrasca. But everything about every one of those issues I didn't like, 
I love, I love what we're seeing right now. So the point is, if it didn't work for whatever reason, I have no suggestions. <laughs> this is. This I mean, is the thing is, though, there's not a bone in your body that thinks it doesn't isn't going to work. I right? think it works. I think it. I'm not trying to set ridiculous expectations, but I think it works fast. And when I mean fast, Frost mentioned last week that. This isn't an untalented team. I mean, this team took Wisconsin to the fourth quarter, right? In fact, Wisconsin, I hear about how great their offense is right now. This unbelievable offensive line, this nonstop running game. But did you also hear that they have this great receiving core, one of the best they've ever had? Good. I hope they, I hope they throw the heck out of the ball next year. I hope they do that against <laughs> us because guess yeah. what? When they threw an interception with, Has- with Hasberg, who is – he's not an elite QB, just flat out he's not. So when he throws the interception – or Hornerbrook. Great, I can't even say his name. When Phil when he Ellis. throws the interception, yeah, Phil Ellis. <laughs> when he throws the interception that we return for a touchdown to tie the game against them, did they take the, and put the ball back into their quarterback's hand with these great receivers that they have and say, "You go and take the game over"? No, they ran it twenty five of the next twenty seven times because that's all Wisconsin could do. Well, great, they could do that to us last year. But are you going to tell me that a defensive line that's twenty five to thirty pounds a man bigger this year, that that it, in, in great shape? That, that there's not going to be an immediate difference. Now, does that mean that we're going to win the game? I don't know, but we're not going to lose it by three touchdowns. We're not going to be getting pushed around by Ohio State immediately. We're not going to be getting beat up and, and, and pushed around by Iowa immediately. Those things are not going to happen. That's immediate differences. That's the thing. And, and what that means towards records, I think people are so focused on records right now, Crap, nobody gets records right. I thought we were going to, you know, I was trying to be nice last year, and I said we'd go 9-3. and three. I was as off as you could be. <laughs> Who cares about that? We're going to play better football immediately. And what that leads to, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. Ohio State thought they were going to probably win a national title until about two days ago, and who knows what they feel right now. Things change quick. But I know, sure. I know that the, they're doing the right things there right now. And it's a lot of this is how quick can they? I, I would have issues any year that we have two freshman quarterbacks going for you know for the starting job. Yeah, that, I hear you. That's just that's just regardless of if he was in co- coaching his tenth year versus his first year. That's a concern, right? So we can all come up with the concerns, but they're doing the right things. And for fifteen years, I don't know I could say that. Yeah, certainly there are obstacles. I mean, the freshman thing alone is 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 daunting, but. The bar is so low as well. I mean, where we're coming from is, yep. is just horrible. So physicality, <laughs> uh, just style of play. There's so many ways for this season to feel better and really not result in that many more wins. I'm not putting a limitation on wins, but, but geez, guys. I mean, last year hurt. I mean, it hurt bad. I mean, as a Husker fan, that was as low as I think I've ever been. Well, Dave, if you want to fast forward a week, to today's press conference, yes, the, the the transition to that was Tanner Farmer and and Dedrick Young and a number of the seniors that talked about it. They were very clear what their what their expectation was or what they were saying is during the off season after practices and and, and running and all the the conditioning and stuff they would do. They would end it by talking about Big Ten championship. Big Ten championship is their calling card right now. That's the thing that they believe they're going to get to. Well, the only way you can get to that is you have to win the West, right? So. Got to yep. be, you know, in their mind, in their mind, we're going to win the West, and that doesn't matter that you're playing at Northwestern, at Iowa, at Wisconsin. We're going to win those games. That's in their mind. That's what they've been working all off season towards, 
And then when you win that West and you get into that Big Ten title game, they think they're going to beat the Penn State, the Ohio State, the Michigan, whoever they're going to face against. No Is Rutgers? That gonna, no, <laughs> Rutgers? Hey, Boomer, I think I found some tickets. Uh, Rutgers is playing at Kansas. Um, oh, if you yeah. want <laughs> I think Kansas is uh, paying people to go to that game, actually. Yeah, I would so. imagine. Easy right. drive. Yeah. Easy drive. Uh, well, is there anything else out of the, uh, today's presser, uh, maybe Tanner Farmer, that you guys want to want to talk about? It was a had some some good tidbits there. He won. I mean, he won the day, in my my opinion. The guy talked about he, if you just want to talk about the weightlifting piece, he mentioned how you know a year ago he was doing 500 pounds with front squats, and so again, it's not that they weren't doing squats before, but they were doing different types, front versus back. And in terms of you know his expectations and his goals. He thought that you know maybe one day it was pr- it probably wasn't going to happen, but maybe one day I could do 700 pounds. And then as we saw today, finally retweeted by uh, ESPN on on Twitter, they finally retweeted the fact that you know the video of him doing 765 three times. You know they've been retweeting every other s- stupid player across the country that does like 610 pounds, but we've got a guy doing three times at, at 765. They finally retweet that. And the difference there. And then they ask him, well, what's your long-term goal? And he's like, well, you know, I'm doing basically 800 now. He's like, maybe, you know, maybe 1,000. And they go, or is that realistic? He goes, well, what, what the heck goal is real? Why make realistic goals? Don't do that. Make goals that, that, that seem unrealistic because that's what's going to push you to that, that, that highest level. So you know what? Then he followed it up by saying, I don't want to win the Big Ten t- title. I want to win the national championship. Great. Mm-hmm. I it seems unrealistic, yeah. but go for it. Because right now, unless you are coached by Nick Saban, or if you're coached by Dabo Sweeney, or unless you're coached by, I guess, Jimbo Fisher, one of the only yeah. four, yeah. or this Urban Meyer guy who might not be there, I don't care how good your recruiting classes are, it's not realistic for you to win a title right now because you're not one of those four coaches. That's the that's realistic. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really good yeah good point. I mean, everybody really has to have that type of attitude at this uh, point of the year. And there's only a few programs that can really say, well, we've done it, right? And yep. so, um, yeah, in that case, Nebraska is not too far behind a bunch of other programs. Well, um, and when you look at it, recent too, Dave, history, we've got it's not just a new coaching staff, we've got 50 new guys that we're, we're contending with, oh, too. Yeah. It's not the same yeah. team. I mean, it's 50 new guys. You can't, you don't have scouting reports on those guys. We have no idea how they're going to contribute. 51 new guys, Mac. 38 freshmen. Yeah. 38 freshmen, three redshirt freshmen, three sophomores, six juniors, one senior that's a graduate transfer from UCF. 51 new players. Hey, Riley, let's wait until year four until I get my guys in there. None of that's going on. I mean, that's over a third of the team has been flipped. I mean, that's that's extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And some of those position rooms are completely different. Absolutely completely different. So it's a... An amazing thing. That's a good uh, – oh, go ahead, Hong. Nope, nope, nope. I just thought that was a good segue to maybe um, just looking forward to uh, fall camp that kicks off tomorrow morning. Uh, so – and we'll have a lot more to be able to talk about over the next four weeks. Uh, we'll do some position breakdowns. We'll also do some conference breakdowns, uh, talking about college football at large. Uh, but maybe just to kind of warm, warm us up uh, for fall camp, we can just go on both sides of the ball, and I'll ask each one of you guys what's the one thing you're looking forward to on uh, in fall camp, uh, both offense and defense. Why don't we start with uh, Honky? Scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. What are you looking at on the offensive side of the ball? What are you looking forward to most? Uh, 
you know, I, I'm definitely interested in the running back position right now mm. because I think there's a lot of ifs and, and unknowns and everything uh, going into today's press conference. You know, supposedly things we were hearing was uh, Wilbon won't be there. He won't make the 110. Well, he made the 110, so he'll be there. Uh, how's Trey Bryant's health going to be? We'll, we'll find out. Obviously, you know, Greg Bell, I'm, I'm curious what he looks like after a full, complete offseason. I think we thought he looked pretty good when we yeah. saw him in spring. At that spring practice, I think we thought he looked good. But it's really interesting to see what they've done now through – what does Frost call these, like, different – like, are they segments? That he, they've done, like, segment one or, or course cycle. one. Cycle. Cycle. Yeah. Cycle right. one of lifting yeah. and now cycle two. And I'm curious to see how, how Bell looks. And then all of a sudden now, yeah, throw Maurice Washington into the mix. And Divine Azigbo looks physically the best he's ever looked. So that running back room, it's what I like about this is I think there's depth. I think it could be crowded, except we have a scheme that no one's going to get 25 carries a game anyway. So I think it, they're going to be able to spread this stuff yeah. out, and guys are going to get their carries. So on offense, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that running back room kind of works out. I think the running back room is a great pick because that's one of those position groups that has really been shaken up with new additions, which is, I'm not going to go back and talk about last year too much, but when you consider the fact that we weren't even trying to recruit another running back and whatever, but I'm just going to say that Mac in the sense that it felt like we had the same, like three or four guys in that running back room for like ever. Right. And it's just like no new blood. And then we were talking about Jalen Bradley. And now suddenly there's like, like four new guys. It's like complete infusion of speed and talent and hunger. I mean, Great pick. Dave Dave and Boomer, I don't think you can see the vein coming out of Max's head as he's talking about the fact that we weren't (laughs) going to recruit a running back, but it's bulging pretty big right now. I mean, he's he he gets a little worked up about that, and he should. I mean, that was that is as big of a difference of any of the position groups. The running back spot from a year ago to today is it's just it's not the same room. It's just not the position or the. The group I'm looking to offensive line-wise, obviously, but more specifically, I'm really curious to see how the center position shakes out because I think that'll dictate a lot of the rest of the positions on the line and see where the guards end up being. Uh, So Cole Conrad, I want to see what he's going to end up doing. And then if if he ends up not being it, what are we going to do with Bo Wilson? What are we going to do with Tanner Farmer? All of those guys, I've heard really good things in the Mm -hmm. weight room. So they've got these new bodies, this new strength, this – this new offense that's supposed to be lineman friendly, this offensive line coach that that Frost is so high on. Yep. Um, I mean, that group to me excites, and that and that sets the stage. You know what I mean? Yep. Like nothing else happens unless those guys are going. Well, and Farmer said it today during his press conference. He said he's been fifty fifty so far on reps at guard and center, mm-hmm. and so unlike the Kavanaugh years of mm-hmm. we're only going to play five guys or whatever. Um, I love Kavanaugh. <laughs> but what, what I like about it is that Farmer was very clear that, that you need to be able to play a lot of positions. He goes, you should be able to play every position across the line. Farmer thinks he should be able to step in and, and know what the tackle is doing. And all that does is give you flexibility that we just haven't had before when if you were only stuck in one position, you know, that's a difference right there. So I think we've got eight, nine, ten potentially deep um, at tackle or at, at on the O line, the tackles are younger. We yeah. have definitely some experience in the middle, but um, but guys, you know they're going to be they're going to be all over. We're going to be able to cross cross train some players, and and we've got some depth. 
cool. Hey, uh, Boomer, you know, I mean, if you have an offensive uh, uh, of, uh, position that you want to chat about, it's great, but maybe also special teams. I know that's your kind of forte. Yeah. Uh, I, any thought on that? Yeah, a couple things. You know, first off, uh, you know, we don't have fullbacks anymore, but for people who like the, the larger offensive uh, types, I think the tight end position is actually a fascinating one here at Nebraska. I'm a, I don't Good know. Call. Do we have a younger position set than, than what we have at tight end? I mean, it, what is everybody? Everybody freshman? a freshman. I mean, it would be a redshirt freshman. Quarterback I mean, I, well, and tight I guess, end uh, tie for the Jack Stoll, he's a sophomore, isn't he, I believe? I think he's Stoll a sophomore. I think is he yep. probably the most legitimate starter we have. And, I mean, you talk about youth there. I mean, you've got so many players that are – you know, really just ciphers here. You don't know what they can do, and I think that'll be a potentially a great weapon for, for Frost going forward see what all these players can do. And and you mentioned kicking, uh, Dave. I, I do enjoy special teams probably more than any normal human should, but that's going to be a fascinating battle going forward, too. We saw, you know, you've got Lightborn, who he's taken a lot of strides from what he was originally. I know we all kind of, he got pushed into a hard spot his first year, and we kind of we all kind of made fun of him for the position he was in. I mean, when you have negative punts, that's usually not a good sign as a punter. But, uh, you know, he he's he's seems to have taken strides forward. You know, spring game, he looked decent for the most part. And you've got two other guys, Perking and Fromm, that are, you know, theoretically good kickers too. And some of them are, you know, have good size to them. If that matters to you in the kicking game, it certainly doesn't hurt. So I'm Athletes, sure. Yeah, I'm curious to see what, what comes out of fall camp with those three and uh, – where we're going to be sitting at. I mean, it's easy to neglect, but man, it's an important part of a game when you have a good kicking game and you can rely on that. I mean, that can win you a lot of games. So. Yeah, if we're going to have some close games this year, that may come down to a kick at some point. Hey, Michael, do you have any speculation on who will be returning kicks for us next year? That I don't. I'm curious to see who uh, who starts uh, fielding those. Um, I'm going to kind of keep an eye on that as fall camp rolls around and see what we start hearing on that. But uh, that'll be an interesting uh, part of this I as mean, well. That's something else we've been lacking for years. Yeah, JD's yeah. the incumbent, but you have so many options this yeah. year. Yeah. just off the hook. I, mean, I, I imagine they'll give a lot of people chances, just another way to see what all these young players we have can do. I think there's so many choices for them. So. And, and for those people that were, were tweeting at us that you know we didn't put Maurice Washington in the top five of the running backs – for, for it being a preliminary depth chart, the whole point is is that that's going to change. And there's no better spot than kickoff or punt returns for a guy like Maurice Washington to right. get on the field earlier. You know, that's that's just an easier spot. It was kind of like Jordan Stevenson a couple years ago, a natural, oh. a natural at the kickoff <laughs> return. But, but it was a way to get him onto the field because, you know, he, he didn't know the offense and his gut looked like mine. Running backs with beer yeah. guts are not usually great. Yeah, but if it, it, I yeah. tell you what, if, if Scott Frost has a freshman locker room, the Red Cast isn't going to put a freshman on the top of a depth chart. I'm sorry, that's just not how we operate. Yeah, we don't. This, I like it. This is a new Red Cast this year. Wait a second, except Adrian Martinez is top of your quarterback. But, you know, he. Well, I don't have a choice at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> so is Jebby a freshman. Andrew Bunch is a sophomore. What are you what talking are my about? Uh, yeah, don't bring logic to this discussion, Dave. Dave. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. He was in for for. This is off-season football, so. Dave. Yeah, this is all emotion-based here. Come on, Noah Vigil's not right. eligible. <laughs> Throw the bones. The defensive breakdown. Uh, all right, well, let's go to the defensive side of the ball, and I'll start with Honky again. What's the number one thing you're looking for on that side? Absolutely, the cornerbacks. Oh, and that was mine. Go ahead. Was, well, <laughs> I, I just. I, I think that there's a number of guys that can play. I don't have an issue with Lee or Jackson. I know people make these huge issues with what they've seen in the past, and all I can say is things are going to change from the past. And and 
Lee and Jackson, they might be the starters and have a great year. They might not play at all. I don't I don't know yet, but I know that these are guys that, that come back, they have some experience. Then you go and you bring in a guy like Neil at, at safety, and that starts to give you flexibility where uh, you know, a Deontay Williams now can you know scoot over and play some corner. Or you have uh, Boodle that might be able to play it. Or they bring in Will Jackson, so now you've got the Juco guy there that's the 6'3", and they say he just stands out in the room. Point is, let him play it out. I mean, it, when, people talk like we don't have depth at spots, and I'm like, there's going to be five or six guys at these two positions. I feel pretty good that we're going to have some decent corners by the time this all shakes out. I just Maybe I'm just being blindly optimistic, but it's not like the staff sat on their, their hands all off season and said, well, you know, that's, uh, I guess you know, just wait until year two or three before we really get our corners that fit our system. They've just gone out and got them, or they're or they're doing the Duvall factor on the guys that are here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, I think it's going to be a, a great position uh, to to watch because I mean they definitely brought some new guys in in, mm-hmm. in the secondary, not only Trey Nill, but like I mean and, and somewhat unusual like Will Jackson's a guy from a JUCO situation where you didn't even know he was really on the radar, and then suddenly we we get this guy and he's eligible right away. So they obviously felt like they needed some at least some additional competition. Mm-hmm. In the in the secondary room, but the question of who ultimately starts and plays the most, so we'll we'll find out. Huh? Well, and Dedrick Young today talked about Cam Taylor as an incoming freshman and the impact that he's made all summer. And so the point is, I don't, I couldn't even tell you who the. It's kind of stupid. It's just fun, you know, Twitter stuff that we do. But like, we came up with our depth chart. But who? It's just a preliminary depth chart. I don't know who's going to be starting on day one. And But the point is, there's a lot of bodies there. I think that was the biggest thing we wanted to get across with our depth chart was that we're not just, like, stuck with, like, two players at each position. We have depth. How those guys work their way through it with 130 to 140 reps of practice, these guys are going to be as ready as anybody in the country at any school. No one's going to practice better than us. They're going to be as ready when, when Akron comes calling and as any school. I like how you've just been able to completely excuse any mistakes you did on your depth chart by simply saying, hey, it's preliminary. Yeah. <laughs> you, you hedge all your bets. and you know, We established this pattern last season. <laughs> I, I've learned from my mistakes, which were many a year ago. Remember when Diaco was going to be the, you know, the greatest defensive staff? That oh, we had? yes. That was, that's one of my the greatest defensive staff. That's one of the best time. things I put to tape. Uh, Mac, what are you thinking about? The position group that I'm most interested short of corners, I guess, would be uh, the outside linebackers. Just because oh, yeah. of the different si- the different body types we have out there, we've got a nice mix of young players, or I should say newer players, and then some some holdovers from previous staff. Like, how's how's a guy like like Tyron Ferguson going to be this year? I mean, it sounds like we hear really good things with about him, and then you've got um, Cedric King, or not Cedric King, who am I thinking of? Uh, Alex Davis. Alex Davis. Alex, Alex Davis. Davis is a guy that, man, what what is he going to do this year? I, Guy Thomas, you know, those. The, when we start hearing, or what I would like to start hearing is those guys making plays. And if that happens, man, for a 3-4 to really work properly, you know, you, to build that outside pass rush, I think those guys, and Dixon, you know, oh my gosh, there's a guy who can come in, SEC attitude, he looks like that kind of, I'm not going to call him a Griffin type player, but he's that hybrid. He's he was a former defensive back, moved down there, a speed guy, cover guy, rush guy. Yep. I mean, if we can develop that position, um, you throw think, a Canner, 
Caleb uh, Tanner on Caleb top of that. Tanner. You, you bring back Shimon. the most one of the most experienced and leaders on the team, and Luke Gifford. I mean, we just we just talked about and what how is, big is Luke Gifford gotten yeah. too. I mean, this. this well, we just talked about what's considered a weak position. Outside linebacker this offseason, the narrative is that's a weak position. And you just, between, you know, Ferguson and Guy Thomas and Alex Davis and and Gifford and Caleb Tanner Dixon. And, and Dixon, we just named six guys. And, again, I don't know who the two starters are going to be or I don't know how they're exactly going to, you know, divvy up playtime. I think this defensive staff, they have talked about how it's not as important that you're the left or the boundary, or the field. They don't believe in a lot of that. that you're going to move around. And on the de- on, in the backfield, corners and safeties. It's not free safety and strong safety and nickel. And that You're a corner. Yeah. And th- this gets back to my whole thing with, like, this concept of, de- of coaches that come in and they say, you know, give me three or four years till I can get my players in here. I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. I, I understand your scheme might be a little different, but at the end of the day, your running back is supposed to run the ball and not fumble it. Your receiver is supposed to run <laughs> around and catch a ball. And yeah, you can always and then go not top his helmet after the end yeah, of each play. You can always go out and oh, recruit. That it. should be what we look for. <laughs> if if if, the, if our wide receivers stop asking to come out of games after every catch or non-catch, <laughs> that is progress, man. I'll be so thrilled. Well, it just in in general. Football players are football players for the most part with the exception of quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are the one thing when you have a, a, a shift in scheme, it really can affect you. If you are a drop back guy and you're going to run option or vice versa, that part's tough. But but outside linebackers, my gosh, there's no reason that Luke Gifford needs to be the left boundary guy. He can You can play both sides. You can rotate guys around. And and this staff, I think, has a big belief in that. And that, and that mindset creates more flexibility on your team. You're more flexible when you have more guys that can play more positions. Simple as that. Yep, I hear you. All right, Boomer, what do you want to add on? Well, I'm uh, kind of just kind of fascinated to see what the defensive line can do. I mean, a 3-4 again, you know, from last year to this year, uh, are they going to be feeling the strain the way they were last year? <laughs> Ooh, I, I'm curious to see that. Strain. And Honky brought up the, the perfect point with the D-line. Uh, especially in the Big Ten, especially in the Big Ten West, that line play is just absolutely critical to, to, to games. I mean, if it's to the point where Wisconsin and Iowa are still pushing our defensive line around, we're going to struggle. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's just mm-hmm. reality. Because if they decide they don't need to throw the ball and they want to run the ball 28 times in a row and we can't stop that at the line, well, then you're going to have problems with that. That's, I mean, that's the way it's going to be. But, you know, with the, with the size they put on, with the, defensive coordinator who apparently isn't totally insane i think you know we're going to see some strides this year and i'm really fascinated to see how they do going forward i think it'll be a huge part of this and especially given you know the scheme that we run their defense is going to see the field a lot there's going to be a lot of possessions you know in this offense from both sides of the ball so i want to see how they hold up in the long run with this that's going to be fascinating to watch you know boomer uh damon benning mentioned on the on his show how he had talked with mick stoltenberg at the Big Ten media days, and he looks at Stoltenberg, and Stoltenberg's looking good. In fact, he's kind of looking trim. He's looking almost skinny, and and Benning says, so, you know, what are you, 290, 295? And Stoltenberg's like, I'm 315. Mm-hmm. These guys are carrying more Well, he was weight. wearing some pinstripes and well, a black suit, so yeah, it's very slim. slim. It's very <laughs> slim. slim 315. I do the same. Italian cut. I mean, so Daniels, good, is what, yeah. 340? But these guys, yeah. if you look at him, if you looked at Gerald Foster at – at media days, he looks good. He physically looks good. In fact, I saw him on campus the other day. He looks good, but he's 335 pounds. He's 25 pounds bigger or 30 pounds bigger than what he was listed a year, a year ago. 
point is these guys are bigger, stronger, carrying it differently. They look different. And that goes back to what you just talked about, Boomer, which, which is Iowa's going to do what Iowa does. Wisconsin's going to do what Wisconsin does. I don't think they're going to change a whole lot from a year ago to this year. What's going to change? Why would they? Yeah. yeah what's going to change is are we better at defending that? We can go. I can go down the line, and we'll do this on a future show. But I can go and mention nine to ten defense alignment who I think can play in this three four. That gets you about three deep, and guys that have been in the program multiple years and have put on the weight. Right. This off season on the O and D lines reminds me of nineteen ninety one to ninety two, and that was when Will Shields. And Eric Wiegert and Zach Wiegert, young guys that were 260 and Lumberg. 270, and Lance Lumberg, they went from 270 to 300 across the board. In 1991, we saw a guard named Jim Wanick, who was 240 pounds, and, and he was a senior. The next year, we were 300 across the board, and it never changed again for the rest of the 90s. That's what this offseason feels to me. How they adjust, that's what's so important about what starts tomorrow in fall camp and goes on in August. How do these guys play with completely different bodies? They'll get a ton of snaps, a ton of repetitions, a ton of conditioning. Yeah. They will get it. The soft tissue injury or lack thereof will be a very telling. Uh, I, I, again, Frost isn't going to report this. Like Riley started off every press conference with, who did I miss on the injury report, guys? Here's everybody that was hurt. Yeah, Trey Bryant's got knees like I do. Well, that's what it meant to be a head coach to Mike Riley, was yeah. reporting injuries. But well, once the gambling kicks in, they'll have to report it soon enough, so no worries. <laughs> yeah, they'll just fake those, you know, just like Belichick. Uh, all right, guys, uh, anything else uh, that you're excited on before we wrap this up? All right, let's do some uh, some parting shots here. Let's uh, let's start with uh, Honky. All right. Uh, so you know we're recording here on a Thursday night, and I'm missing uh, eviction night on Big Brother, and that's something that uh, Kathy and I I watch. But of interest this year, there is a guy Fessel who's on it, and he was a I think he's a former maybe he played at Chattanooga or something. He played at like a lower level, but he's a big dude, and he wears a Husker shirt every once in a while on it. So I took a photo, posted that on, on, on Twitter. And I'll, all I will say is I, I'm rooting for Fessel. I want, I'm team Fessel to win Big Brother. And, uh, you know, we got to get some hashtag or something going for that. <laughs> all, right. Um, all right. Well, that's one member of the Redcast who's big into Big Brother. Uh, <laughs> how about Mac? Um, I'm going to challenge my, our Redcast listeners out there. Um, what cord cutting service do you guys like for going into college football? I, Hulu Live, or you, you know, YouTube TV? How you getting your How you getting your football fixed? Let me know. Give us some feedback on our on our our, our Twitter page. Do you say Twitter page? I think I'm pretty up to date on stuff. We, we have a Facebook page too. Please follow us. Yeah. On Facebook. So get hit hit me up with some different ways to to absorb and and, and process college football. All right, it's a good request. Uh, Boomer. Well, I just want to uh, make an announcement for uh, Tim Miles and Nebraska ball that I have decided to remain here for the next season, so uh, he doesn't have to worry about trying to find a last-minute replacement for me as a fan. So, <laughs> You're easier help, to Tim. replace than a, a 6'10 center, though. Is, it's well, kind of a... it's only about a 10-inch difference between him and me, so I think <laughs> I can fill that slot in nicely. I, I can score about as much, I imagine, per game. So or we'll you can be miss right. as many layups. Your mustache, <laughs> is, your mustache <laughs> no is much better, Boomer. 
Exactly. So no worries. So you got it, Tim. This is your year. So I'm sure we'll talk more Nebraska ball at some point. Um, but uh, it was all all football today. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, great show. Great talking to you. Looking forward to the rest of fall camp. We'll be back next week. Uh, let's call that a go big redcast. Fall camp, baby.